I mean, it's the exact same concept of that can't be enough. And so I'm not even going to try it because mm -hmm. I would rather sit down and create a list of all the things I'm going to do to have a perfect house. Mm -hmm. But then that list itself is overwhelming. And by the time I've finished writing it, I, all that energy that I had to change and be completely different from now on for the rest of my life, it's yeah. all gone, you know, <laughs> yeah. oh, and I my house it. doesn't look any better. And then yeah. I lose the list anyway. So, mm -hmm. you know. And I think everything you just said there applies to what women do with their bodies, right? Absolutely. It's like, it can't be enough for me just to go on a 30 minute walk and, you know, try to cut out one to two desserts a week. I have to go on a crazy diet and I have to exercise for way too long every day to a point where I can't sustain it. And it's like, and none of that, I don't believe any of that really solves body image issues, but just, just kind of separating body image from like what we do to make ourselves physically more healthy. It's, we do the exact same thing. I've got exactly. to find, I've got to make this list of all the ways I need to be better. And, and I think that kind of loops right back around to your first suggestion. Your house is not a project. Your body is not a project no. either. Welcome to Compare to Who, the podcast to help you stop comparing and start living. I'm your host, Heather Creekmore. I hate to admit this, but I used to secretly obsess over my appearance. I thought it was part of my job as a woman to always look better, but never felt like I could be good enough. Maybe you can relate. God, in his grace, showed me a way out, and I want to give you all the tools you need to break free too. If you've ever spent too much time stressing over your looks, I get it. I hope you'll keep listening and find the same freedom I have. Here are three other things you should know about me. I'm a minivan driving mom of four. I'm author of the book Compared to Who and the forthcoming book, The Burden of Better. I'm a blogger at comparedtowho.me and you just may have seen my epic big fail on Netflix. If you've ever struggled with comparison or body image issues, Compared to Who is the show for you. I hope you enjoy today's episode and hey, tell a friend about it. Hey there, welcome to the Compared to Podcast. I'm Heather Creekmore, and I am so glad that you are watching or listening today. Today, I'm here with my friend, Dana. Dana White is an author, podcaster, speaker, and much to her surprise, a decluttering expert. Dana shares realistic home management strategies and a message of hope for the hopelessly messy in her book, Decluttering at the Speed of Light, How to Manage Your Home Without Losing Your Mind, and through her blog and podcast at a slab comes clean. Dana White, thank you so much for being on the Compared to Who show today. Thank you for asking me to come on. This is fun. We've hung out a little bit in real life. And what I love about you is that you are real and authentic. And as I was reading in your bio, I thought, you know, it's so funny. Like you never thought you would be telling people how to declutter because it was a thing for you, right? Like, like, right. Being messy was a thing for you. And, and it's the same for me. Like, I never thought I'd be talking to women about body image issues because that was a thing for me. So how did this whole thing start for you? Where did, where did you begin your journey in a slob coming clean? Well, I mean, it, it is the thing when I, like, if you would have asked me now, I used to say 10 years ago, but now I've been actually doing this for close to 11 years. So it's crazy. But you know, if you would have asked me at any point before the actual day when I started my blog, um, and really even for a couple of years after that, uh, if I would ever like teach other people how to have their house under control or declutter, I would have argued with you. Like I would have 
sworn that this would be the one subject I would never, ever write about. But here we are. So <laughs> basically, awesome. I wanted to be a writer. That was my dream. Um, I discovered what blogs were back in 2008, but I didn't start until um, August of 2009. And the reason I didn't start was that my house was a disaster and it had always been a disaster. It had always been a huge struggle for me. And so I thought, this is going to be something that takes, is another thing that takes my focus away from my home because I throw myself into things and my house just completely, you know, falls apart. And um, I said, I can't afford to let something else take my focus away from my home. But I also, you know, I wanted to write about, you know, where I was in life, motherhood. And I would love being a mother. Like it's everything to me. And I, I love keeping a home. Like I love everything about being a mom and, you know, wife and all that. But I felt like my house is a disaster. It had always been such a struggle for me. And I tried so many times and failed so many times. And I felt like if I write about all these things I want to write about, I would have to hide the fact that my house is a total disaster. You know, like I didn't want anybody to find out what my house looked like. Um, so I spent that first, you know, year and a half before I started the blog trying to get my house under control. I had this motivation of doing something I really wanted to do to write. Um, and I mean... I still failed. And that was what was so frustrating to me was because I felt like God had called me to write. And yet the state of my house, which I had begged him so many times to change, like, mm -hmm. please change me, make me organized. He hadn't answered that prayer. And that was keeping me from writing, from doing the thing I felt like he had called me to do. And so it was right before my second child went to kindergarten. I was only going to have one kid at home. And I was like, this is the time. Like, this makes sense for me to start blogging. And I was praying and I was really frustrated with God, honestly. And I said, you know, why is it that you won't cure me of this messiness issue? And that was when he just made it clear that I should write about that. You know, I mean, like I, and I don't say this very often, but I heard God say, write about that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's actually a really good idea. <laughs> okay. So I thought that. I thought, okay, this is something that will help me focus. Like mm -hmm. this will help me stay focused on my home. Cause I felt like, well, that's my real issue. I just have, I, I never can keep my focus for a long period of time on it. And I thought I will figure this out. And in a couple of months, I'll have it all under control and I'll be able to start writing about the thing I really want to write about, you know, which was basically anything except this, you know? And, um, so I started this blog thinking it was a press practice blog. I made it to me, called myself Noni Blanco. Noni was short for anonymous. Um, Blanco is, you know, Spanish for white. So I was like, okay, you know, I'll just call myself this. And then what surprised me was, first of all, that I wasn't the only one out there. You know, I mean, it was, I was in this weird thing because I was thinking of it as a practice blog. I was trying to promote it, but not to anybody I knew. Like nobody I knew. My husband didn't even know that I had started this. So I didn't tell any friends what I was doing. Um, but I just started... Um, you know, like doing what I knew it, back in those days, it was linking up to link parties or, you know, whatever kind of stuff. And so I would do that. And so I was having people who were starting to come read my blog and I really was petrified that people were going to be horrified because I was being completely and totally honest about my house and what I was doing and what I was trying and how this had always been a struggle. And 
people were not horrified. I, I mean, I'm sure some people were and just clicked away, but people started leaving comments and saying, this is my struggle too. Like everything you're saying is exactly what goes through my head. I thought I was the only one, which was me. I thought I was the only one. So the first step for me was realizing I was not the only person in the universe who struggled with this stuff. And that was a was really big for me on this path of accepting that this is how I really am. You know, like that was huge for me, knowing that I wasn't alone and knowing that all these people who were saying that they related to my struggles were really cool people. Like they were, I think this sounds awful, but you have this idea in your head of, well, what's wrong with me that I can't get this under control because it just didn't add up in my brain, you know? And I'm like, these were intelligent women. They were very creative, artistic people. And I related to so many things about them, what I could find out, you know, because it's the internet. But when I started to realize that their struggles and my struggles were the same and their passions and my passions were the same, I started to realize that the creative side of me, the part of me that wanted to be a writer was directly related to the struggle that I had you know, of going all in on something and letting everything else, you know, my house go basically. And when I realized that, that I realized, okay, well, this way that my brain works is how God created me. Like there's a direct relationship there. Not all creative people struggle with being super duper messy, but most super duper messy people are highly creative people, you know? So it, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fact and it's something that has been confirmed to me literally thousands of times over the last, you know, 10 years of doing this. So, so that was, you know, me staying focused, being completely honest. I had named my blog, A Slob Comes Clean, thinking no one would ever know that it was me writing it. But because I had used such a horrible word, slob, which I'd always said, it's not like I'm a slob. I'm just, you know, (laughs) chronically disorganized or whatever I wanted to say at the time. But because I had used that word and because I was realizing this was part of how my brain worked. It's like, I, I had no reason to not be completely honest because it was anonymous. And so that was when I started making real progress was accepting that my brain works this way, which also helped me accept that traditional organizing advice, which is generally written by naturally organized people. Cause they're the ones who like to talk about this stuff. I didn't have to feel like a failure because that didn't work for me. Instead, I just needed to figure out what did work for me and my unique brain and how God created me. And so I started making progress. And then it was, it was another couple of years, honestly, before I was willing to own that title of decluttering expert. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. because I, I just, I, it took so long for me to realize that someone could learn from me about this thing that it had always been a struggle and honestly is still a struggle. My natural tendency, you know, we were just talking about my daughter had, um, had a drill team tryouts last week and it was all virtual because of the current situation, you know, (laughs) that we're in. And so it was our obsession for the week. You know, she was practicing and she was learning and she was perfecting and we were videoing and we were videoing again and again and again and again, you know, all these different things. And my house went back to not, nowhere near what it used to be because I simply have so much less stuff in it. And I do have routines that I keep up with as much as I can in those moments. But, you know, it's like, that's my natural tendency is to ignore the house and throw myself into a project, you know? And so I have to have systems set up and, um, you know, clutter out so that it, when there's an explosion, it's a whole lot less stuff than it used to be. But, you know, accepting this is my natural tendency and realizing there is something I can share with others. That, that was a huge step for me is to realize, oh, I can help other people in this situation without being perfect first. Yeah. Because 
I always thought I needed to have it all figured out before I taught anybody something. Yeah. I mean, and that's awesome because I think reading between the lines of your story, it's like, that's where comparison creeps in, right? Absolutely. It's like comparison creeps in and it says, look at all these beautiful, perfectly kept homes on Instagram and you're not one of those. So forget the whole thing. You know, I still struggle with it because I do, I mean, you know, the whole idea when you mentioned Instagram of people talking about the grid, I don't know if you know what that, what I'm talking about when I say that, but they're like, I, I just saw somebody and this sounds horrible, but I unfollowed them immediately because I didn't actually know them. So I'm not, he's one of those where I'm like, why am I following this person? I don't know. Yeah, but anyway, absolutely. it wasn't a personal friend or anything, but they said something about, I wish I could post this picture in black and white because I like it better that way, but I can't because it would mess up my grid. And that oh, means like how, yeah. when you see all their pictures mm-hmm. together, does it make this beautiful, mm-hmm. cohesive thing? And I thought, that's not what I want. This, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, cause it just made me feel like, oh, well, my grid is an embarrassment. Like if anybody <laughs> goes and looks at my grid, they're going to be like, what <laughs> oh. is this person even putting on Instagram? Mine too. You know? <laughs> it's awful. There's, it's really awful. I but mean, I have to make yeah. my myself not care. You know what I mean? I'm like, that would take time that I don't Mm -hmm. have time to give. Mm -hmm. I I mean, you know, and and it's fine if you want your grid to be that way. It's fine if that lights your fire. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? If you love the grid, Mm -hmm. if you love that, and and there are so many people who that's how their brain works and they love it. And that's great. But I cannot compare myself to those people because I see the grid and I go, that's nice. And then I see mine. I'm like, Oh, whatever. And then somebody (laughs) says something and I realize, Oh, mine is a whole lot less than theirs is, you know? And so I I just have to stay away from that. has been bogging you down for too long. It's time to get free. My friend, go to compare to who.me. Take your free body image awareness quiz. You will learn amazing things. You'll get your results right away. And I think you'll have fun too, because I mean, who doesn't love to take quizzes? Go to compare to who.me. There's lots of great resources on that site, articles about body image and comparison and how you can find freedom through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Check it out today. Right after this episode, of course. Well, and I was just thinking as you're speaking, like that's why what you're doing is so important because I think there are so many of us, like I was joking with you before we started, that if my computer was turned the other way, the bookshelf (laughs) behind this computer is a disaster. I mean, you know, I know there's like the rule of threes or something like that. Or I remember that from showing our house, like before we were able to show our house, they had to come in and and just do, you know, major overhaul on everything. But it's like looking at my shelves is just a disaster. And so I need tips from realistic, reasonable people like you, because I, I can't Marie Kondo. I can't hug everything. Like it's just not right. going to work for me. Well, and, and, and that's, that's exactly where I had to accept that I was that person, mm-hmm. that there's an actual need for me to be honest about how this is a struggle and what I have to do to make it work. That isn't what normal people do, you know? And I say normal people and sometimes people get offended. I always just mean like normal is anything that's other than me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I'm not normal and I've never tried to be, you know, but, and, and, and two, you know, for people who are, are listening and are like, oh, you know, what? if I hold back on what I know, then there's a big gap mm-hmm. 
of information that people really do need. Because I always said my frustration with traditional organizing advice is I was lost on page three. Like I felt like their before photos were my dream after photos. And so <laughs> I could not. So I was like, well, what do I do before this? You know, like, but how do I even get to this point that you think is your starting point to get organized? You know, like I, I couldn't find anybody who was writing about the total disaster to, oh, okay, now it's time that we can actually start talking about getting yeah. organized, you know? Yeah. And so that's where I came in and I still don't love it. I mean, I, I've embraced it and I love my job. I think it, and being honest is so much more freeing mm -hmm. than trying to hide it mm -hmm. ever was, but I still cringe, you know, and I still sometimes will hit publish on something while I'm making this face. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go ahead and put that onto the world because that is what I needed to see. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't seeing it anywhere. Like I needed to see, Oh, okay. I'm not the only one in the world who has an actually disastrous, messy space, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and and that's hard. I mean, you know, that's like, really, God, that's where you, that's where you put me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get to be cool. I don't get to be impressive or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was just, it is giving up that desire for people to think you're perfect, right? Because I think that's something we all fight. It's like, okay, there's part of me that really wants you to think I have it all together, <laughs> you know? And yes. so I'm going to, by doing this, I've got to show you yes. that I don't have it all together. But what a gift. I mean, I remember as a pastor's wife, I mean, I'm still a pastor's wife. When my husband was, was the lead pastor of our church, I remember those first couple years, like the pressure just internal pressure was always on me. Like my house had to be perfect. If people were coming over, it had to, you know, look a certain way, be a certain way. And then as God started working on my heart, I realized it was probably a lot more freeing for people to come to my house and see that I had dirty dishes there mm -hmm. to see that the laundry wasn't all folded. There were laundry baskets sitting around those kind of things. And so, so letting people see that my house wasn't always perfect was 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 a hurdle. One of my most popular blog posts ever is called How um, Cleaning Your House Like a Crazy Woman Relates to Your Body Image. Because I think a lot of oh. women that have body image issues or struggle with it, like I think that's the hurdle. The hurdle is I want people to think well of me. And so I'm worried about what all this looks like. And then I'm also really worried about what my house looks like when you come over. But when you're not coming over, <laughs> then it's, all bets are off. So, yes. Dana, for those of us who live often with the all bets are off kind of home decor, I mean, see, I, I married a yes. Marine. So, I mean, my husband like puts my children, if, if it wasn't for him, we would live in completely different conditions, but, but he puts the kids to work. I mean, he's, he, oh, so slobs like me, <laughs> where do we start? What's, what's your, your quick tip? Hey there, how much is freedom worth to you? That's kind of an odd question, right? When I was in the midst of my struggle with disordered eating and body image, I would have paid anything I had to be free. Truth is, I spent a lot of my budget on things I thought could help me be free, like new diets, exercise gizmos, clothing, but none of those things really helped. I'm so grateful that God showed me the way out. And now I'm passionate about helping others find their way out too. I want them to know that Jesus already paid it all. They don't have to spend another cent to find the freedom they really desire. 
But truth is, it does cost me something to get this message out, compared to who can't spread the message of Jesus' offer of freedom without the help of women like you. Would you consider making a contribution? Check out Compared to Who's Patreon page at patreon.com slash compared to who. Then prayerfully consider giving $1 or $5 a month, whatever you can to help. Any amount you'd be willing to donate would be a huge blessing and will go directly towards covering the operating expenses of this ministry. Thank you for being a part of seeing other women set free from the chains of body image and comparison. May God bless your generosity. Okay, so um, number one is to realize that your house is not a project. Hmm. I love projects. I love, we were just talking about how I enjoyed having something to obsess over last week, lit my fire. I mean, like Hmm. I enjoyed that. So I like projects, you know, that's just how my brain works. And it's a great quality in a lot of areas of life, but it is not a great quality in keeping your house under control. So I always thought I needed to get my house perfect. Like I just need to clean it from top to bottom and then maintain it. And in reality, that never worked because first of all, when do you have time to clean it from top to bottom, especially once you add kids and then kids get old enough to have their own activities and all the different things as life gets busier, you know, it's just not reality for me to be able to say I'm doing nothing else for this day or this two days or this week or whatever to get my house under control. And so I would put it off longer. It would be more overwhelming, which meant I put it off longer and it just never ended up happening. Besides, if I did get my house perfect, like for a party, I would want to enjoy it and just be like, oh, I did all that work. And I wanted to sit back and just, you know, live in my clean house, except that that meant my house was not staying clean, you know, so it, it just never worked to have the project mentality with my house. So because I was desperate, because I didn't know what to do, I decided I am just going to focus on the things I see that tend to not be issues in other people's houses. And they are in mine. So I started with my dishes. I said, I'm just going to do my dishes every day. Don't know the perfect way to do them. I'm just going to try to keep them done. And I started adding tasks. Um, I, I basically would work on one for a week and uh, would until it started to not feel foreign to me. Mm-hmm. And then as that started to feel more natural, not completely natural, but I would add another task that I would do. And what I learned was it's the daily stuff. That is the difference between a house that's under control and a house that's not. So the two daily things that I have narrowed it down to be the absolute most important are having your dishes done at some point in the day. Okay. Whatever that means. There's no perfect way to do it. Mm -hmm. Just at some point in the day. And after a week of obsessing over that, you'll figure out what it looks like in your home right now. Okay. Um, Which right now is unique. You know, I mean, it, there's it's a lot of dishes for, right now. Yes. Tons <laughs> of dishes. And then doing a five minute pickup, like, and I do mean five minutes. I don't mean trick yourself into actually working for 30 minutes, but like literally set the timer for five minutes and pick things up and put them all the way away. Not like gather them up. And then at the end of five minutes, I'm going to go put them away. Actually like this goes here. Anything else go to that spot. I'm going to grab it too and take it. So, um, and here's the thing, and I, I'm going to plug my book really quick, but yeah. it's also all, you know, everywhere else that I write online. But I was the person who thought I was smarter than that. Mm. Does that make any <laughs> Like, I thought I was Absolutely. smarter than yeah. all the women ever who've ever kept their house under control. I was like, mm, there's got to be a better way, you know, um, than actually just doing the dishes every day. Yeah. So like in my first book, I go into all of the reasons why I didn't believe that was true. 
like where I thought there's got to be something different because doing the dishes is not fun at all. And, and so what the reason I bring that up is because I know how I was, I know that when someone said, oh, just do your dishes every day, I was like, it can't be as simple as that. It's mm-hmm. not as simple as that because this, 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 and this. Mm-hmm. And I acknowledge that because that was me. And so I don't want someone to think, oh, she's oversimplifying. Oh, if there's anything I ever don't do, it's oversimplifying. Yeah. <laughs> I can complicate anything. Give it a try. Like yeah. give daily stuff well, a try. Yeah. Well, let me jump in for a second because yes. it, it makes me think of, for example, when I'm talking to women about spiritual growth, it's mm-hmm. like, yes, well, spend five minutes a day reading the Bible. No, no, no. I want to be closer to God. Like I need, like I need something like spend five minutes a day reading the Bible, but no, it needs, I mean, there's all these excuses, but my husband, when he talks about this, when he's, I've heard him say this from the pulpit, it's like, what do football teams practice? Well, they practice throwing the ball and tackling it. It's like, it's the basics. And every single day they do the basics. I mean, that's what foundation of a good football team is built on, whether you know football or not, it's the basics, right? And it sounds like that's really basic science. I mean, it is, but it, but it's like that idea that there has to be a trick Mm -hmm. or magic or, you know, and it, it's like, no, I'm sorry. There's no magic. You literally yeah. have to do your dishes every single day. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I call it dishes math, you know, cause it's, uh-huh. and that's part of the problem for me is I thought doing the dishes was this big, huge project mm-hmm. because I didn't do them every day. And one day's worth of dishes, I didn't even know is only like 10 to 15 minutes worth of work because whenever I did the dishes, it was after two or three days at the Mm -hmm. least. And it was, you know, hours worth of work where two days worth of dishes is not just double the time because there's so much finagling and stuff that you have to do. And, you know, you can't get it all in one load or whatever. Mm -hmm. So then it becomes from 10 minutes, it goes to an hour. And then the third day it's hours, you know? So yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, it's the exact same concept of that can't be enough. And so I'm not even going to try it because Mm -hmm. I would rather sit down and create a list of all the things I'm going to do to have a perfect house. Mm-hmm. But then that list itself is overwhelming. And by the time I've finished writing it, I, all that energy that I had to change and be completely different from now on for the rest of my life, it's yeah. all gone, you know, <laughs> yeah. oh, and my house it. doesn't look any better. And then yeah. I lose the list anyway. So, mm-hmm. you know, and I think everything you just said there applies to what women do with their bodies, right? Absolutely. It's like, it can't be enough for me just to go on a 30 minute walk and, you know, try to cut out one to two desserts a week. I have to go on a crazy diet and I have to exercise for way too long every day to a point where I can't sustain it. And it's like, and none of that, I don't believe any of that really solves body image issues, but just, just kind of separating body image from like what we do to make ourselves physically more healthy. It's, we do the exact same thing. I've got to find, I've got to make this list of all the ways I need to be better. And, and I think that kind of loops right back around to your first suggestion. Your house is not a project. Your body is not a project either, (laughs) you know? And so I think there's just, that's a perfect synergy there. I, I love, I love how all that goes together. Well, and then there's the clutter, you know, the clutter is the same thing. And here's the thing about clutter. I always tell people start with the dishes, but clutter is just as important Mm -hmm. because the more stuff you have in your house, the harder it's going to be to do the daily stuff. And if you're not doing the daily stuff, any decluttering that you do just it's like it didn't happen, you know? So, I mean, all those things go together, but the same thing with clutter is looking at a space, a pile, a 
messy drawer, a messy closet, a messy living room, whatever, and thinking that is a project as opposed to, you know, my steps that I use, my first step is to grab a black trash bag and throw away trash. You know, I mean, like that's it. And that will number one, get you moving, but it'll also start you, start you differentiating between just this overall idea of stuff and picking out what can just be thrown away. And when you do that, you start to see individual things that you're going to have to deal with as a opposed to just this mass of clutter, which is overwhelming. And so, you know, it's that working through, and that also means that you can make progress. You can't make it better. You can't finish, but you can make progress in five minutes of just throwing stuff away and it's going to look better than it did before. You know, so it's that, it's the same idea of there's so much more value in little, little bitty steps than there is in trying to fix everything and change completely starting now. Okay. Okay. Now, you know, yeah, that's the way the tortoise wins the race. Right. And the hare has to take a nap. (laughs) So, you know, it, there's, it's inch by inch. Right. Okay. So I didn't warn you about this, but just kind of, as we tie things up today, I don't know if I'm getting staticky or not again, but, um, can you hear me? I think you're frozen. Yes, I can hear oh, you. Okay. Um, now you're blinking again. <laughs> so what about our closets? Because this is a topic that comes up in the blog and things I do. You know, women, especially those of us who have kind of been on the up and down of the scale and the size, like I had a dress in my closet from 15 years ago. That's a size that will never, it won't even fit on my leg now. <laughs> right. But, but how, what, what advice do you have for women like me who tend to hold on to all the sizes just in case? Any suggestions there? Well, so there's this magical concept, which is not magic at all, um, that I call the container concept. And what that is, is, um, okay. So the, the story behind it is that I always thought containers were for putting things in. Like I thought organized people like containers, so I would buy them and mine never looked like other people's. And so I didn't, um, but so I didn't have any kind of, um, I didn't see the results that I thought I was going to. And I was like, I don't understand. So one day I was decluttering and I was talking to myself and I was like, container, container, And I realized that the word container, the root word is contain, like it's meant to be a limit. And so the very short version of this is that I realized, okay, containers are not for putting things in, therefore making the decision of how much I can keep. And I realized that every space in my home, my entire house itself is a container. It's a limit. It's a natural limit. And the beauty of it is that when I let containers, which your closet is a container, when I let containers make the tough decisions, it takes the pressure off of me of making those decisions. Mm -hmm. So for example, you know, your container is a, I mean, I'm sorry, your closet is a natural container. It's a space that is defined. Like Mm -hmm. the answer and I used to think this was the answer, but the answer is not to get a portable closet, you know, to add to some other Uh space in my room. You know, this, the answer is to accept the size of the actual closet that you actually have in the life that you're living in the house that you're in. Okay. And the stuff basically, okay. I feel like I'm not making sense here, but let me, 
I've written about this a lot, so I'm not sure why I'm not making sense, but anyway, <laughs> um, but basically the way a container would work, it's a little bit harder with your closet because I am not a fan of pulling everything out and then only putting things back. Cause that just ends up being a disaster later mm -hmm. because I never get to all this stuff out. But anyway, start pulling things out until things fit in your closet well. Okay. So the stuff that deserves space in your closet is the stuff that you wear right now. You can totally keep those other things for, you know, that like maybe don't fit right now, but, but that's what I'm hoping someday will fit or it just has some kind of sentimental value. For me, I was a theater arts teacher. And so I have several things that I'm like, oh, that makes such a great costume for whatever, you know, I mean, like, sure. even though I don't necessarily need it anymore, but whatever. <laughs> um, so, but this, when you view your closet as a limit to how much you can keep, it helps you identify the things that deserve space in the container. Does yeah. that make sense? It does. And when you start to think of it that way, sorry, my computer's doing weird things. When you start to think of it that way, it frees you from thinking through the fact of, okay, should I keep this? Let me try to be realistic about, you know, will I ever be this size again? Or let me try to be realistic about this, you know, which can really get into your head. I mean, like you can really go down a lot of roads there that are not necessarily healthy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but instead to just say, is there space in the container? Hmm. It's yeah, not me. Good. I would keep this <laughs> except that the fact that it doesn't fit in my closet. And since yeah. it doesn't fit in my closet, it doesn't, I, I can't keep it. I can keep it, but I might have to get rid of something else. And when I compare the two things of this black shirt that I wear all the time mm -hmm. and it fits me no matter whether I fluctuated here or there, what, you know, like I love this shirt versus this thing that I wore 20 years ago, all of a sudden it reveals to me, oh, well, yeah. I mean, if it's between these two things, I'm going to keep this one, but there's only space for one of them. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and the one thing that I've talked to women about before is just if it's causing you shame to have it in your closet, I mean, like you wouldn't, I don't know, like if there was an award that you well, that doesn't, that's a really horrible example. I think if there's a word you won that you would be embarrassed about, I don't know. <laughs> Slob of the month. I don't know. <laughs> I, can't, I can't really think of a good illustration yeah. there. But it's like, you wouldn't put that ridiculous award on your shelf for everyone to see. But yeah, right. like we keep these size, you know, yeah. way too small clothes in our closet. And it's like, sometimes I feel like you go in the closet and every time you go in there, it's like a, a, bullet <laughs> to your yep. body image. You're like, oh yeah, that doesn't fit anymore. And so it's like in those cases and like, it just, you got to get it out of there. But I well, really like a, a parallel would be that's maybe not quite so sensitive to a lot mm -hmm. of us, but a parallel would be moms who are like, okay, do I keep the, the 18 month clothes mm -hmm. when I'm not for sure if I'm going to have another kid, you know, mm -hmm. I mean like that's, we don't know, just like us, we're not for sure what's going to happen down the, well, am I going to regret this, whatever, which yeah. I've just had to learn to get over decluttering regret to just say, it's better to have a space that I enjoy and I can function in and I can live in. I'd rather have that and risk the decluttering regret yeah. than keep, hold on to it and not be able to use my space and enjoy it. But, but so it's the same concept with the mom who's not for sure. Should she keep this, um, keep these other clothes? It basically comes down to you can keep it if you have the space to designate to it and to 
make sure it's actually in a place where you'll be able to find it and know where it is later. Okay. Um, and most of the time that severely limits how much you can keep, you know, and so maybe you do have a little bit of space, but over time, the more you declutter your closet, you're going to go, you know what, I really would rather keep this than that. And so, you know, this doesn't deserve the space and it just starts to change how you view it when you can blame the container and the space that there is instead of going through all the analysis of whether or not yeah. I should keep this. Yeah, that's really good. Why do you think stuff has such a hold on us? So in my um, Decluttering at the Speed of Life book, I talk about dreams mm-hmm. and like, I, I really believe that a lot of, and I am not a licensed mental health professional, but anyway, neither am I, <laughs> uh, but I did write a book and they published it. Exactly. Like, so, you know, I get, to you got cred. <laughs> um, I believe that a lot of clutter is the physical manifestation of the denial stage of grief. Hmm. And here's the thing. If I just have the stuff and I ignore it, I pretend it doesn't exist. I can avoid going through the accepting of my reality. Hmm. And for a lot of people, it, it might be um, their work clothes. You know, maybe they have gone into a different stage of life and they're wearing yoga pants right now, mm-hmm. which I mean, we're all wearing yoga pants right now. Right. <laughs> but I mean, right now, right yeah. now, yeah, but, like, but maybe like they're in another, I've got yoga pants on blow it. <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs> well, I have shorts on it, <laughs> but, um, but they're, they're going through this phase of life and to let go of those office work clothes that they never once spent a lot of money on mm-hmm. that represented a time in their life where they felt very capable and very respected and they had a certain identity. That's, that's hard. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and acknowledging that letting go of that is a grief process mm-hmm. because you are letting go of, or walking through, you know, I mean, you can't just skip over grief. Like there's an actual walking through the process of acknowledging that things are not what I thought they were going to be, you know, whether it's from the death of a loved one and you're having to go through life, making decisions on your own, when you thought you were going to have somebody else to make those decisions with you, whether it's a divorce, whether it's, um, just simply moving into a different phase, all of that kind of stuff. If you, if you just leave the stuff there, you can avoid having to feel those feelings, but to go through that stuff, you're going to have to walk through that grief and you're not going to be able to deny anymore. So yeah, it, but there's a lot more to it. I mean, there's, sure. you know, obviously there's really tons of things, but I, I do think yeah. that's a real, a real process, especially for women, you know, because a lot of times that, that stuff represents a phase of my life, which represented a part of who I was. Yeah. And maybe I'm not that person anymore, or I don't know how to be that person anymore or whatever. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Well, one thing I've been thinking a lot about is how, and you've, I'm sure you've heard this, you know, like anyone who had grandparents that went through the depression in the twenties, in the 1920s, yeah. Yeah. you know, was raised by, you know, parents who grew up under those parents and learned hoarding, right? Mm-hmm. Like learn yes. to, you know, like make do, scrape it together, even if that wasn't their reality when they got older, you know, yeah. they, they learned those tendencies. And I've just been thinking in all of this, like, are we just repeating it? <laughs> you know, I mean, I know what my pantry looks like <laughs> and, and you know, I, I mean, it's, and my son dropped a jar of spaghetti sauce the other day and his first response was, Oh no, we can't afford to lose a jar of spaghetti sauce during a <laughs> pandemic. 
And I was like, no, dude, we're okay. <laughs> but no, it's like, but they're, they're hearing those messages, whether I'm saying them or not, they're getting that. Well, exactly. You know, I, um, my people, that's what I call my people who, you know, relate to, um, who, who need what I have to give, you know, what I have to share. This has been a real struggle during this time. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it's been a legitimate, um, paralyzer to mm -hmm. think, you know, it's kind of like all the things that we've kept were like, Oh, I'm so glad I kept that because now is when I, now is when, you know, it feels like it's not, but it feels like the world is ending. And I was yeah. keeping that just in case the world ended, you know? <laughs> and, it's, and so it's that mentality or it's the thinking of needing something, not having it and remembering having decluttered it in the past mm -hmm. and thinking, well, I don't want to do that again. So it's, there's a lot of struggle there. I have to go back to, but I can still throw away trash. Even if I don't make any difficult decisions, I can still do those real basic things that I have in my steps, which is the trash and then the easy stuff, getting it back to its established home, you know, finding homes for things. Um, that's part of my process, you know, so it's like the letting myself do all the things up to the point where I have to make difficult decisions because mm -hmm. the reality is a lot of stuff is not a difficult decision, mm -hmm. but I put it off because I think, because I know that that pile or that drawer contains a few difficult decisions. And so it just seems like the drawer itself mm -hmm. is full of difficult decisions. And instead letting myself say, I'm going to make all the easy decisions and it's going to be so much better, even if I don't get to the difficult decisions, you know, so yeah. there, there's a lot, yeah, there's a lot right now that, that is hard for people who struggle with clutter. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Well, Dana, I know that every one of my listeners or viewers would benefit from reading your books. So I know Decluttering at the Speed of Life and tell me what the first one was. Uh, how to Manage Your Home Without Losing Your Mind. And we can find those on Amazon and all the places, I know. Yeah, just and go to aslobcomesclean.com slash book. Um, and that has all the links to everywhere. Great. You know, I mean, they're, they're in all the formats, Audible and Kindle and nook and all that. So. Wonderful. And I'll put all those links in the show notes so everyone can connect with you. Well, Dina, thank you so much for being on the show today. I appreciate your wisdom and your, your thoughts. This has been fun. Thank you. I do love how there's such a correlation between these subjects. It's, it's really crazy <laughs> in a it way. Is. I mean, maybe we should write a book together. Right. Let's do it. <laughs> Sounds good. I'm game. We've got time now, right? <laughs> right, right. Except that we don't. We I don't. Mean, it feels yeah, like we, we should, but we no, don't at all. I know. Yeah. I know. That's one of those myths. Anyway, because everyone thought that they would have all this time to clean their house right now. And I don't know. Mine hasn't been cleaned. So no. Yeah. Dana, thanks again. And thank you for watching or listening to the Compare To podcast. I hope something in this episode has helped you stop comparing and start living. Bye-bye. Hey friend, would you check out the date on that episode you just listened to? Yeah, it's been a minute. Listening to old podcasts is almost like reading my diary from several years ago. In some cases, it's even a little embarrassing. So instead of listening straight through season by season, can I encourage you to skip ahead? I release brand new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And if you're not sure where to start, you can go to improvebodyimage.com, find the start here button, and I've got several episodes listed and categorized so you can find the topics that are of most interest to you. Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. 
Well, the physician comes in and says, tells this lovely couple, hey, your son's not going to make it. But there's a young girl here in the hospital who just delivered a baby girl and she's given her up. She's going to leave her here. Do you want her instead? That was chart topper Ryan Stevenson sharing a personal testimony on The Walk, a podcast for worshipers. Join us weekly to hear artists, songwriters, worship leaders, filmmakers, and other creatives tell their stories in the form of a devotional. The Walk can be found on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast platform.